the superhero maker show let's go power your let's mind go. let it grow learn from the best take action today become the hero make your way <laughs> welcome to the superhero <laughs> maker show with dave and daniel nice to have you on board we're gonna make a superhero out of you today We are indeed. It's time to rise up, <laughs> take control, unlock the power within your soul. Leave doubt oh, and dear, fear Daniel, in the past. Have... You're a superhero. Let's We... make it last. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. And uh, I've... <laughs> We're going to have to explain ourselves here. We really yes. are. We used to do a the developer podcast, um, but we, it turns out that um, the market for uh, superhero content Uh, and being a superhero influencer is way bigger. So we're pivoting and yep. um, like developers are factually superheroes anyway. <laughs> so this is the tiny okay. superhero show. Indeed. Indeed. And I'm going to explain this. I'm going to shoot straight for explaining Please. this, Daniel. Because Yeah. So hmm, a few days ago, I had a conversation with ChatGPT, okay, like a lot of people have been doing over the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. And I asked ChatGPT about myself. And first off, he sort of said, oh, I say he, I'm giving it personhood already, but there we go. Um, I, uh, first off, I said, who is David Gary Wood? And very rudely, ChatGPT said that I wasn't well-known or notable, so... <laughs> Yeah, don't know. And I thought, well, okay, um, let's give it some information. So I said, oh, yeah, he has a website at davidgarrywood.com. And ChatGPT then went full on making shit up kind of mode. Yeah. Um, so I, I posted about this to Mastodon, but it said um, essentially that I was a personal development coach, speaker, and author, that I had a book called Get Re-Inspired, Embrace Your Inner Superhero, <laughs> which apparently aims to help readers discover and embrace their unique strengths and capabilities. It's fantastic. You should um, write that book. Um, I, I'm thinking about it, honestly, um, because it just it, it went on like that. I kept asking it more questions. You know, tell me more about this book, and it actually laid out the sort of general plan of the book it's in three parts um i begin by explaining the concept of having an inner superhero and how readers can identify their unique strengths and abilities um apparently then i offer practical advice on how readers can overcome obstacles um, and achieve their goals and then in the last part apparently it's a rousing call to action to encourage people to live their superhero lives fantastic um As I said, it went on like this. And the reason for the song is that apparently I have a, a podcast that is the Superhero Maker Show. Uh, and I asked it to come up with a theme tune, and that was it. Um, so this episode brought to you by ChatGPT's Brain Farts, I guess, <laughs> if you want to call it anything else. <laughs> I love it. Like, the thing is, I'm actually getting a bit tired of like everyone just posting to social media about like, Hey, I asked ChatGPT this and I asked ChatGPT that, but getting mm -hmm. like this whole 
alter ego for yourself and <laughs> then also getting the podcast and everything is like like if you squint enough you see there's a connection to you because you are you you do have a podcast and you do coach people and you you are a semi yes notable public figure it's just all the details are <laughs> <No>. wrong <laughs> and yes um yeah this is and and then the the lyrics and everything yeah i like it yeah i i think i i need to do a bit, a bit of searching actually i'm wondering if it's just completely grabbed somebody else and grafted this on in some way like yeah probably not the lyrics for the podcast and everything mm -hmm. but um i think the the book plan maybe but oh, i don't know um in any case it almost left me sort of feeling like oh, i should be um registering a new domain putting some <laughs> stuff up you should maybe i can definitely can, can register a new pivot. domain always always register that new domain yes and then pay for it for a few years before you decide right, that you're right. really if you not if you decide to register that domain you should go with this uh this podcast sponsor which is hey wait we don't have a sponsor yet but here hover i want my name come on like give give us some give us some <laughs> sponsorship money <laughs> um i have so many uh domains registered and recently i let a few expire which was actually a good exercise thank you marie kondo um mm -hmm. but recently one of them had actually a um I, like it was a good thing that I acquired it. So about a year ago, maybe one and a half years ago, I um, I uh, registered uh, telemetrydoc.com, telemetryduck.com, and all the other uh, vowels basically. And mm -hmm. um, I did that because uh, I uh, I I am actually <laughs> or telemetry is actually sponsoring a, a podcast. Uh, which is a Formula One podcast, and I just like it personally, and it's like 50 bucks a month, so I'm just sponsoring them and, so that they have to read out telemetrydeck.com every episode, even though like they're, they're about Formula One. Um, mm -hmm. And I kind of started messing with them because it's, a, it's, it's the sponsorship is via Patreon, and so they always read out your display name. So I had the display name as telemetrydeck.com, But then I started like like swapping it out with uh, telemetrydoc.com, telemetrydac.com, telemetryduck.com, and so on. Mm -hmm. There's one you're avoiding, Daniel. But um, keep going. yeah, I have analytics for all of all of these, and I was always only mentioning four of them, and like and like seeing who arrives at the fifth. Um, <laughs> but so recently, someone um, someone like also like more a bit notable anthony johnston um of uh, for in the incomparable fame he's also the a writer and uh, script writer for various comics and uh films I, i think he wrote the script for atomic blonde or at least the comic it's based on anyway okay. anthony johnston i like the guy he doesn't know who i am but he discovered telemetry deck on mastodon i think and so he posted a post Showing the notification that uh, I had liked one of his posts with the Telemetry Deck account. And he said, Ooh, I almost read Telemetry Duck. How funny is that? And then I answered from the <laughs> Telemetry Deck account, Good thing we um, actually registered telemetryduck.com. And <laughs> um, he reposted that one and on Twitter and on Mastodon. And uh, yeah, like that, mm -hmm. that, that domain got a lot of hits. It got enough hits that I actually made a separate landing page 
for telemetryduck.com, which is something that I wanted had wanted to do for ages. And in my mind, it's actually a bit different because in my mind, it is, is, there's like a rubber duck, but it's uh, textured like a space shuttle. So it has like the dark underbelly of like heat resistant tiles and then the white um, like spacecraft body atop. But I didn't have the time to yes. do that. So I just made a rubber duck basically. I've just loaded it up now, and uh, yeah, I love it. You've got a a duck in the image there at the header, and a duck emoji. And then when I posted that, like lots title. of people tweeted or posted at me with uh, like um, poultry uh, jokes and puns. <laughs> so I, I, I just like shamelessly put a few of those in the in the text of the of the page. That's great. That's really great. And uh, proving the point of you setting up separate like landing pages as well, uh, I think that's um, a really fun thing to do with all of that. It is, yeah. So the others don't have don't have separate landing pages. Um, no, yet, no. But and the one we're, the one we've avoided uh, probably shouldn't. But, have a but they do send landing they, page like each it. each time you load one of them, they do send like an individual signal, so I can see like how many people are visiting each domain. Yeah, because you know that's like interesting to me. <laughs> Don't, I mean, yeah, it's not as if you've uh, made a entire company around that sort of thing. It is, yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh. How are you doing other than ChatGPT? Other than ChatGPT, I'm doing okay. I am doing okay. I've been uh, tooting since uh, we last uh, last spoke. I've been working on my uh, 2TestDK-based app. So the, the, the SDK is now public, as we spoke about on the last show. Um, this is an SDK for Mastodon and for the Fediverse and for connecting to all of these different servers and everything. And I've started build, building my my app on top of it, which means that I'm now officially dogfooding my own SDK. So that's that's been a lot of fun. It um, has already resulted in a couple of uh, tweaks and changes to the SDK as well. Now that I'm kind of getting that that proper feedback loop Mm -hmm. uh, because i mean bear in mind when we started developing the sdk what we did do is build a swift ui test app that tests a whole bunch of the functions and things so it's it's not as if we've been developing without doing this and testing this along the way but there's a difference between that mode and then sitting a real app on top of it and going that way so that that's that's been kind of cool we've nothing you know, majorly wrong in the SDK. In fact, actually, it's been great for the sort of speed it's given me. Mm-hmm. Like, in me, this was the plan. This was the plan with the SDK is that I started a new project. I added it through Swift Package Manager and did what I needed to do to set it up in the um, the pattern that I'm using for Swift UI development. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, very quickly, I'm then thinking more about the UI than having to worry about getting data and doing all of that. Yeah, that's really cool. So, yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. I'm really sort of proving the the point. Um, but the thing that I think is perhaps more interesting for this show is one of the parts of um, 2TestDK is that 
we want it to support both Mastodon, Pleroma, PixelFed, all these different Bediverse API types. Mm-hmm. And I've got an account with with a PixelFed server. I've got um, I've got a Pleroma one on something, and I've got one on obviously my own personal Mastodon. And I built the app. I, I, I was logging into my own personal account when I was testing it, and it's like, yeah, stuff's starting to come together. And I thought, well, yeah, let's just try and sign out, sign back in, um, and sign into my PixelFed account instead. And it just worked. And that, for me, was like a real big sort of proving, you know, proof of the pudding kind of thing with the SDK. Wait, so so you you'd never really tested it, and it just it just worked? Oh no, we tested it along the way. Uh-huh. I knew it would um but just that ease of going right oh yeah i get i've got this app i've got this sign in sign out mechanism and it doesn't matter which one i'm trying to sign into it's still just doing its thing yeah that's fantastic Um, that's really cool um i have to tell you about a misconception that i had and that maybe some of the listeners also have which is in my mind toot sdk was about um speaking the activity pub protocol and then following someone or favoriting or displaying a a post or something <laughs> like that that was all in my mind um using the activity pub protocol so of course it would support mastodon and pleroma and pixel fed and yeah and so on um but this is not not the case like toot sdk is connecting to the Mastodon REST API, or it's connecting to a Pleroma server's REST API, or it's con- con- connecting exactly. to a PixelFed's server's REST API, which are slightly different because they're trying to do different things. And ActivityPub is the the format that these um, that these uh, servers use to talk to different instances and stuff, so they can talk to each That's other. That's right. But this is not the the thing that you'd use to connect to an API to, to, to display posts or to favorite them or whatever. Yep, exactly. And I mean, conceptually, perhaps you could do something mm-hmm. in terms of, of building a, an SDK on top of the activity pub protocol, but it's not really the way you'd want to go about it. And because it's more for the service to server communication, um, it doesn't make a lot of sense yeah. in an iOS app. You'd need probably, like, as far as I understand the protocol, and you you could tell, like, you'd, you could probably talk more about this because you're deeper in, in that protocol than than I am. But as far as I understand it, it's it's like, it's a bit like IRC where all participants have to be online all the time or they would actually lose, lose part of the, or no, maybe not lose because you can always, like, ask, ask for separate date, date ranges or whatever. But... It's mm-hmm. a bit like you. It's made for participants who are always online and who have a certain amount of database storage, of connectivity, and of reachability and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, like a server, it's not a protocol for like client apps. No, it's not. It's not. And that's the other thing is like you'd you'd run into problems with um, DNS and all that side of stuff as well, right? Because again, it's assumed that there is a. Uh, an instance that is online mm-hmm. of something that can send and receive these messages and you talk to it via the the domain name that you've got right. set up as well. So, yeah, it, it, it you're right. It's a bit of confusion maybe maybe somebody has about the, the SDK. Um, having said that, if you go to the repo for it, 
you will see that we have got a image in the readme um, right. that kind of explains the layers and the layer cake of all of it. Oh yeah, I'm looking at it now. Um, it's yeah. um, it's a a diagram of various layers. Like the top layer is app. That's like the app you build on top of Two SDK. And underneath that is yep. the, is a, um, a square that says Two SDK in a very pleasing uh, purple color, indigo almost. <laughs> uh, and that um, has lines towards boxes that say Mastodon, Pleroma, PixelFed, and Write Freely. And those lines are labeled REST API. And then the four server boxes, they have lines connecting themselves to a pix uh, to an activity pub cloud basically it's yes. not a cloud in this picture but in my mind it's a cloud <laughs> so yeah that, that that diagram shows you the sort of the visually what we've been trying to describe uh but yeah it's um I think it's cool though this is the space that the client apps need to to operate in is with these these rest apis but the the variety of them as an app develop, developer like being on the client app end at the top of that diagram as it were mm-hmm. um I don't want to care right? I don't want a load of if statements and switches and things to sort of care about well okay it's pleroma so therefore i need to authorize in this specific way or it's pixel fed so there's a few more credentials there right this is one of the variations Mm -hmm. that's under the hood in in the sdk Um, and then there are things like um there's certain bits of the data model that might be optional because they don't exist on all of them you know and things like that so uh, there are similarities the reason i mention um mastodon Pleroma, PixelFed is because there's a lot of crossover in their APIs. So once you've sort of cracked the the authorization and you've uh, figured out you know, what needs to be optional, some of the calls are then optional. So there are requests for certain things or, or um, the ability to post certain bits of data back that will only work with, with certain instances. And we're kind of navigating that. Um, you'll get a appropriate error message if you try and use it on an instance that doesn't have it is, is sort of where we're going um but yeah i feel like every mastodon app that i have seen um either kind of supports it you know in a sense of like you can you can sign in and it will basically work with with one that's not mastodon mm-hmm. um or just doesn't at all so yeah, there's there's a quite a few apps that if you try and log into PixelFed, they just don't really work. For example, they don't make it past the oh, yeah. And this is another stage. misconception that I had from people writing. I thought that PixelFed, which is basically Instagram for the Fediverse, um, mm-hmm. I thought it's it's like so similar to Mastodon that I could basically log in to a like a, using using mastodon and it's just a way of displaying the tools differently like only showing mm-hmm. posts with images and showing those not in a large way or something like that but this is also not the case pixel fed is its own server and it's its own social media social social platform you can follow someone using activity pub using mastodon so if i if i if you have a pixel fed account i can in theory follow your pixel fed account on my mastodon and see your posts as 
post in my timeline, which is kind of cool. Yep. But that doesn't mean I and can if you log in and that I can post to PixelFed using Mastodon. That's right. Ah, yeah. This or is using, so using a Mastodon all client. The, all the distance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing, right? Is that um, from my perspective with the app I'm building, mm-hmm. and, and the app I'm building is a, a photo feed, videos, and that sort of thing app. It, it's not quite Instagram or PixelFed in what it's trying to do. Um, but it is very focused around browsing media. Um, and from my perspective, I didn't want to care about all of this. I didn't want to make an app that only worked with PixelFed for this. That seemed limiting. Um, and equally, making an app like this just for Mastodon ends up being a bit weird because it's like, oh, but people are posting mainly photos and media to their PixelFed account, so why don't you support that? And so, yeah, with the SDK, it's a case of it doesn't matter where your account is. You can still just sign in, use the app, and it will give you your feed in in, in my app's format, right? But it doesn't care where it's consuming it from. Yeah, that's amazing. So if that feed's coming to you from from any of these other instances, that's that's fine, and you still get to see your photos and media. So this is your app that you're building on top of Tood SDK? Yes. Yes, and... uh, it's it's coming together. I, I think I'm yeah, months away from releasing a beta, but it's certainly already proving usable for me to browse my own feed in this way. Oh, wow, that's really cool. Let me know if you need beta testers because I've also been thinking, yeah, this would be really nice to just, um, you know, when I just want to browse the images, the selfies, the cool, like, Every every yep. weekend, people are posting like posting uh, their activities where they go hiking or whatever, and like photograph pretty landscapes. So, like just scrolling through those would be really cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and this is the thing I, I've been looking at, looking at the experience I've been having with my regular Mastodon clients. You know, I'm using Ivory like everybody else seems to be in a lot of ways <laughs> it is so community. good um, it feels like coming home it is like of course everyone yes. has a different way of interacting with with social media but for me personally uh ice cubes is very cool toot exclamation mark is really really cool but ivory mm-hmm. on the desktop and on the phone uh, is just it's just there's so many ingrained um muscle memory of of how to use this app and how smooth it is and everything because lots of the yes. basics have been like worked 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 on for ten years or so, so ah, it feels so good. It feels really really good. I'm sorry, I I, I was kind of enthusiastic there. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's cool. I, I feel the same about Ivory in a lot of ways. I would like it to um, support alt text properly because mm-hmm. at the moment it kind of doesn't. Yeah, I get that. Um, you can post post with alt text, but it doesn't display it very well. It doesn't display it at all. Rather, um. So that's something I think they desperately need. And then the other thing I would really love them to have is I don't think they're supporting custom emojis, which is yeah, they don't a thing. Yeah, which both of these things uh, I am missing, but I uh, I do realize that they're in beta or not. Well, they're not in beta; they're kind of in early access. And yes, um, yeah. I'm fine with it, like because I kind of expect them to to be like checking along and like just picking all those slow hanging yeah. fruits bit by bit. And um, it's basically think, just two or three people. So, of course, they're going to take their time. It is indeed. I think the alt text is the only one that I feel quite, ah, oh, come on, guys, you should have this already about. 
Yeah, I get that. Um, although, although I, I, am, the, I do uh, commend them that they have a way of entering alt text because it's important yes. for me to to post alt text from my for the images that I post, and so I can do that. But I seldomly read the alt text for other people's images because usually I can recognize recognize them very well, and usually I get mm-hmm. I, I can visually see the point of the image. So usually alt text is not something that I need in my daily life. So I'm not missing it terribly, but I think it's really nice that yep. they have the ability to um, to create it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that, that's something I've appreciated that that, that bit at least is there mm-hmm. right now. I think for me, um, I'm not um, blind or impaired in that way. Um, so I'm not relying on it in terms of sort of seeing the image. Um, but it does help me a lot with context if context is ever sort of unclear. Uh, and I think just to, to explain what I mean, like if somebody posts a meme or something and it's perhaps from something that is a reference, I just have never watched the show or um, is a political thing in a part of the world that I'm not aware of. Like sometimes the alt text illuminates that for me and I enjoy that. Yeah. I also like sometimes not very often, but sometimes I do hide little, little jokes in there or, uh, or explain the joke that I'm making with the image because I've had a few, uh, a few times or instances where I thought I was posting a really well-known meme and it's very recognizable as tongue in cheek and ironic and whatever. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of times still I get people in my mentions and this is a very masculine mm-hmm. thing apparently like that explain my own joke back to me or react as if I had been completely honest. So just mentioning the fact that this is satire, that this is ironic um, and the way I meant it in the image description um, yes. is a good way to, to mitigate that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is that the um, inclusivity of alt text is bigger than just people who need it because of their site. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. So anyway, I th- I'm sure they will support it before we're sort of out of this like early preview phase. It certainly seems to be, it's something they've said when I've added them about this that is on their roadmap and they'll be looking at. So yeah, I'm pretty sure in a few months time or whenever, um, this won't be a gripe anymore and will be something it just does. Oh yeah, I'm pretty so sure. That's, pretty sure. That's, the other thing here is that I need to take my own advice. So it's something I've got to incorporate into my own app um, pretty early on, I think, as well. So yeah, I'll be joining uh, the uh, Fediverse client app community, as it were, by making this more than I have done with just having two, two test DK there. Mm-hmm. Um and so all these these intricacies and things are things I'm going to have to sort of figure. Um, you know, what do they mean within my own app? Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's a, a photo browsing um, app. I won't be able to ignore alt text. That, that's something I'm going to definitely include. But I'm also going to be going full out with um, all of the other um, accessibility concerns on iOS like voiceover. Uh, dynamic text, that side of things as well. Even though it is all about the images and the video, I want to make sure the app is uh, a considerate participant within all of this. Yeah, that sounds very good. And I mean, it is 
harder than like a harder problem than it looks UI wise because you want yes. the alt text to be very prominent. You want it to be easily reachable, but at the same time, you don't want it covering the image and you want the image to be like as big as possible so people can easily, easily, easily see it. And also for, for yep. some people like me, for example, you, um, I would like to see the alt text, but only after I've seen the image because it yep. might spoil the joke or ruin the joke or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's, there's a lot of things to consider there. I mean, I, I really like the way that, uh, meta text, uh, one of the other open source, uh, clients, which is, I think meta text is kind of dead mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, the, there's no new updates coming through for it. I think the maintainer has moved on. Uh, but also I think somebody else may well be picking it up. But anyway, the way it does it is great. So if you tap on the image, um, it brings the image up in its own view. And then you've got the alt text um, over the image, like, uh, well, to the bottom. And in most cases, it doesn't cover the image. It's just at the bottom. Um, and I quite like that because when you tap on an image, you're sort of indicating I want to know more, you know, whether you want to zoom into it or, or whatever it is, right? Because that's what you get from doing it. It goes full screen. You get to zoom into it. The alt text is then there. I think that interaction makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas it, when you've got to press like the alt button to then have something pop up and tell you what the alt text is, that sort of feels feels very clunky to me. Yeah, I get that. And I agree. Uh, that's, uh, these, these are the things we've got to think about with these sort of apps. And, um, yeah, like I say, I'm going to be figuring out a whole bunch of this sort of stuff for my own app. Um, and just figuring out the UI mm-hmm. for everything for everybody else as well, for, for all users. Um, yeah, it's, but it's fun already. It's fun. So that's, I think uh, I would think, been taking think about most time. with that app would probably be the preloading because I don't want to start loading an image when the, its container is already visible. I want to start slightly before, but how aggressive is yes. too aggressive, you know, like, like that kind of thing. Like, ah, oh, that, that <laughs> tickles my brain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a few things there that I'm going to have to, to tweak, um, about that. But, uh, yeah, uh, there's there's ways and means, and and using a a caching system as well for the images that get downloaded. Um, obviously, doing a whole bunch of that already, just using a library for that. Oh yeah, um, doesn't, and that's doesn't Swift UI do that for you already? Uh, you can use the async image um, view, yeah, for sure, but uh, not quite the same. Like what I'm using, I'm using Nuke a library called Nuke, mm-hmm. um, which has its own caching me- mechanism underneath. Uh, but also it solves a bunch of problems for me out of the box. So it's playing GIFs back and um, it's also got a, a movie player as well if you want to use that. Um, so there's a whole bunch of things there that it just sort of does. Oh, that's um, amazing. But the caching is part of it. Oh, that's really yeah. cool. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, yeah, but anyway, that's my, my life at the moment in terms of app development. So I've, I've got um, a whole bunch of stuff I want to do back on GoVJ as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to shift tracks over the next few weeks, probably to focusing on that again. Um, the other thing that I've been looking at, Daniel, is I've been looking at 
uh, App Store screenshots. And the ones I've got at the moment for GoVJ, they're kind of bad, <laughs> honestly. Um, they do the job, right? But they're not selling the app. They're just sort of giving you a view of it, a taste of, of what it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're, they're not, they're not salesy. They're not glossy. They're just screenshots from the app. Uh, so I'm looking at that as well at the moment. Like, how can I make that better? How can I go about this? Um, I think I'm going to be using Figma probably to set the images up. Uh, and so I'm kind of going down a bit of a rabbit hole there because that's that's not my forte. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard because um, especially when you wanna when you wanna improve your um, your UI and stuff like that. So you do need you do need um, new new and cool uh, screenshots anyway, and then you want to showcase everything, and then you have to recreate all those screenshots all the time. So yeah. And it has to have like some demo data and stuff like that. Yes. So, ah, frustrating. I get that. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, there's a few things that, that I was, I was laboring under a misconception actually with the screenshots. So one of the requirements from Apple is that you upload all these screenshots in different sizes for the different devices that may well be consuming it on the other end mm-hmm. browsing the app store. So you've, you've got, you know, four inch size, 5.7, six and a half X, Y, Z, you know, mm-hmm. and the misconception I had was that you had to show, uh, the device type in that screenshot that is consuming it. Oh. So for example, if you're on, on, uh, um, one of the, the smaller sizes, say the, the SE2 size, for example, then you would expect any phone frame that is in the image displaying a phone with your screenshots in it to also be that same type of phone. Oh, yeah, I get that. Because because many bigger apps do that. But I think the original intent yeah. was to only have a screenshot so it's like without any frame or anything. Yes, yes. And that's what I've got at the moment. Um, but if you're framing and adding, um, like text over the top or bottom or wherever to sort of explain what's on screen, um, the phone frame that you see in that image does not have to be the same device. I think probably not is what I'm not. now understanding. Yeah. Especially it's because just the size of the image. Yeah. And I think you can satisfy the upload you don't, by not uploading everything like for each different yep. phone size, but like there's, there's, there's I think three sizes or so. If you upload those, all the other sizes will be like just um, scaled versions of those images. Yep. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going down this, this, what I feel like is a rabbit hole. Anybody who's done loads of this before will find it easy. Um, or anybody who's a designer, some of this will come naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's a case of, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm looking at all of this and, and trying to stop myself from mentally building an app around the whole idea. Um, like an app for making screenshots, uh, which they do exist. You know, there's various web platforms you can sign up to for 
X amount per month to go and create beautiful screenshots for your app. Um, that's not what I want because I'm not likely to be changing things very regularly for a start. You know, like once it's kind of working and where I want it to be, I'll move on to something else. So a subscription doesn't work for updating um, screenshots because, yeah, one and done. I could do one of these things and cancel, of course. Uh, but equally, I just I, I want my own control over it a bit more as well. So uh, I think by the time I've got it done, it will be a series of um, templates in Figma. I can just drag my latest screenshot out of the app into the frame or, or however the mechanism needs to work to do that. Yeah, I get that. Uh, and then I'll uh, I'll render out from Figma into the different sizes, and off we go. Uh, but yeah, that's that's where my head's at at the moment. Just sort of for Go VJ, I need to focus on a few things like that to sort of spruce the App Store image up um, because yeah, it's, it's working. You know, mm-hmm. I'm making, getting downloads, making sales, mm-hmm. but I also think I could be increasing the number of people who go get into the start of that funnel, if you like, um, and who download the app if I've got better representation of what the app is in those images. So, yeah, that's that's a point of focus, I think, over the next few weeks, as well as this uh, Fediverse photo app. Very, very nice. Fingers crossed. I, I'm ah, I'm looking forward to using that uh, and to be, to be able to use that. Yes. Ah, I'm looking down our show notes because, mm-hmm. yes, we do have them, uh, mainly for just keeping note of stuff as we talk about it. But um, our next few notes, Daniel, for this show... First off, I've got a note in there about new haircuts. We both have new haircuts. We do, we do. I'm not sure that's show-worthy, but we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, maybe we should update our uh, profile images on the Waiting for Review site as well. Oh, sure, I'll send, you, I'll send you a selfie. Hey. And, uh, yeah, other points to talk about. You've got down there... Going to skip the one about Kerbal Space Program. I'm sorry, but we'll we'll come back for that. Aww. we can. Uh, but I want to ask you about telemetry Dex filters and calculation infrastructure. All right. Okay. So, um, so you know how I've been working on, especially uh, filtering uh, for telemetry Dex for a long time now, and this is not because. Um, like it's an incredibly hard problem, but uh, it's because I wanted to do it right, and they had they, there was various uh, uh, like parts, like puzzle pieces that really had to work together, and um, they've been coming online uh, over the last few months and weeks, and so finally I was able to write the blog post that kind of. Um, that's kind of that's kind of how I do things. Like um, we, I, I would, I will usually release stuff just quietly and then every two months maybe or so i will write a big blog post about all the new the new things and how they fit together so i was i was finally able to write the big blog post about how does the filtering system work and why is it such a big deal so first of all okay what is the filtering system like you can um when you like when you like analyze data using telemetry deck, you can make a thing that's called an insight. So it's like a card with a chart in, and you have a visual interface 
or for like how to like for configuring the the chart and the data that is displayed there. And so one of the most important parts is filtering because sometimes I don't want all the data in there. Sometimes I want specific data. For example, if I want to know how many users on macOS, but not on iOS, just on macOS, are using uh, this specific feature each day, or what's the breakdown between people who use, um, I don't know, this mode or that mode on macOS. So for that, I would say yep. a filter that says like operating system must be macOS. And of course, there's other various other um, other things that you can use the filters for. And previously, there was just like a text field, and you could enter like one like one key value pair, pair and that kind of had to be like and that. That was just it. And now, what you can do, uh, you have a visual editor, which you can use to kind of build a tree of what we call conditions. And so, for example, you can have as a root node, you can have an AND condition and they can add various like conditions like operating system must be macOS and app version must be newer than or must be equal to uh, 4.5 or whatever. And yep. so all of these things have to be true or you can have an OR node. This is like one of those things need to be true. You can negate things. So you can like, like so have a NOT node basically. And using that, you have a way more flexible way of filtering things. Um, and the way we are implementing this is that um, previously uh, there were like two kinds of languages where how you could telemetry like what kinds of data you wanted. Um, there's the internal language that our databases are using, which is called the Druid uh, query language. And there's like an external external language that is mostly just how I set up the the database properties of an insight like three years ago when I started the whole thing. And yeah, um, those things those things are very similar, but they differ in various ways because, of course, they do. And so I've started. Um, uh, actually, this this whole process started like half a year ago, at least, if not if not longer. But uh, it's made a made a big leap in that m more and more parts of our internal system are talking directly in the Druid uh, query language. But and this is the thing, like because Druid the Druid query language is pretty pretty low level, it's not very fitting for yep. these high level U UIs and representing their concepts. So I started um, adding various verbs and languages uh, so various features to this this query language and on the server they get kind of compiled compiled down into like the, it's the, the the native druid representation and that is really cool and that is something that also has a, has made a big leap forward because now for example you can add your filters directly and it will Without you having to define them, it will automatically add additional filters. For example, it will add automatically a filter for test mode. It will automatically add, uh, without you having to do that in the UI or like by hand, even you like it will, it will add mm, various conditions that say like, Hey, just display the date range that the UI is right now displaying. Right. Um, and it also will apply, for example, like, by default, you have access to all the all the data that your organization organization possesses. But most of the time, you would just yeah. just want to focus on one app. So 
um, because like otherwise it could pull data from all. If you have multiple apps, like it could, you could pull pull data for for all of the all of these apps and compare them. But most of the time you don't want that. So yeah. So now you can just have, for example, you don't need a whole filtering thing for that. You just have one property that says app ID, and if that is set, you only see one app ID. Uh, you, you only see that one app, for example. And yep. this whole um, way of how we how we do things, this also paves the way for new features. Um, like, for example, right now, um, the UI for this is not here, but our next big uh, feature is, unsurprisingly, uh, funnels. A funnel is a, uh, a construct, basically, a... a, a um, as a way of looking at processes and apps and user interfaces from an, an analytic standpoint. Like, for example, imagine you're yeah. in, a, in a shop application and so you browse stuff and then you put something into a, into your, um, your, your checkout bag and then you go, do you click on payment and then you enter your payment details and then you enter your address and then you click order. Those are like five steps or so. And, at each of those steps, people will decide to, to actually not do that. They will, they will decide to click, click back on their browser or close the app or go back to the main interface or whatever. And yep. a funnel will basically tell you like, okay, of the, of the maybe 100 people who entered, who clicked on add to cart for this, for a, any item, doesn't matter which one. Um, maybe 80 clicked on enter payment details and then 60 clicked on enter address and then maybe 30 clicked on actually order or whatever. And you can, you can look at this visually and then see like, okay, which of those steps has the biggest fall off and then work on those and, and improve that step. So, because if you want to sell people things, uh, that's of course a good thing. Or maybe you have an onboarding and you want people to really learn the app. So your funnel can tell mm -hmm. you like, Hey, people are not getting step four in your onboarding process. Um, so you really should should work <laughs> on that, and it, it tells you like where you should improve, what you want to improve, and so um, yes, the the UI for this is not done, but you, even now you can tell the the query language by hand. You can tell it, hey, the type of this query is a funnel, and these are the steps in the funnel, and you define the steps using the new filter expressions, because uh, of course I can like. Those are very, very um, well fitted to to select like a, a partial, partial, partial piece of the data, and so, um, and then this this whole expression will be like when I actually ask the server, hey, so give me the results for this query, it will actually just compile that down into a regular Druid query, run it on the Druid server, and then give you back the data, and then you can display it. So now what I'm working yep. on is um, UI for displaying like multiple columns of filter editors next to each other. Um, and then also UI for displaying this like in a nice funnel-y way. Because like actually like <laughs> business, business people, they actually want like a literal funnel sometimes, like a yes. reverse pyramid basically. Uh, I probably want to put that on its side because it makes more sense to read it from left to right than from top to bottom. Um, yep. but yeah. And so that's what I'm, what I'm working on. Like, uh, I have the filter. Editor, that's really cool. So now I just have to display multiple of them in a way that makes it distinguishable, which one you're editing. And then also I need to, um, 
to work on the charts. And if you've seen my, my social media today, you also see me posting a lot about charts. And this is because I am switching um, chart engines or chart libraries. Um, oh, cool. Because I guess it's cool if you want. It is, it is cool because, um, the, the, the one I was, I was, I was on previously was very easy to work with, but it's getting deprecated and not worked on anymore. Most of the uh, chart types don't work properly anymore. And it had a few bugs that were really, were really annoying. Um, and so it was kind of getting on my nerves and there was like no way I could really do the funnel charts with it. So, uh, I have like one branch that's opened in, let me say, ah, November. Um, and every now and then I just go to that branch and just make one more chart type work with that new, with that new graphing ed- uh, charts engine. And it's, it's actually really bearing fruit. So, um, I think next week or so I can, I can switch all the existing charts to the new charting engine. It has, um, I also spruced up the colors. So the colors for charts are way more friendly and rainbowy and I, I really love them. And, um, uh, it fixes a lot of bugs and I made uh, the charts a bit, a bit more easily readable, which is very nice. Um, and it will also support the various like funnel charts, uh, stuff like that. So that's, so that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Ah, and. Of course, this is super boring for if you're not into that kind of thing. But the thing that I like about it is that I always try to think about the systems that I'm building as puzzle pieces. As like, okay, if I put the work in here, how can I make it so that I can later reuse that same work in a different context? Like, for example, the yes. filtering system and the filter editor in the UI is very relevant for just filtering stuff, but I can also use the same, the very same system, the very same UI, and also the very same uh, Swift structs, because of course this is all Swift on the server. Um, I can mm-hmm. use those to to also build different structures, like for example the um, um, the funnel editor or the funnels in general, and. I am not yet at that point, but uh, in the future, there will be A-B testing as well. And um, probably uh, selecting your A-side and your B-side is also a filtering thing that I can use uh, that I can use this for. That's really, really cool. So yeah, um, it is fun. It's a lot of work, but it's fun. It's, it's, uh, it's really fulfilling right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to it all coming together for the uh, the funnels because that's definitely definitely a feature I want. Definitely something I want to test my apps out with as well. Uh, it's been previously in, in in a sort of previous life, as it were, part of my career where I, I was doing analytics. Um, that sort of thing was definitely very useful uh, for them finding those insights, right? For finding those moments where it's like. Ah, right. It's actually stage four in the onboarding yeah. process rather than, you know, you might have assumed it was stage three or five uh, or whatever, or really not known, yeah. not known how many people you were losing out on because of something. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be really, really powerful as this drops. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. I did write a very, very long uh, blog post about it that goes into even more detail. 
Um, I'm going to link <laughs> it in the show notes. Uh, it also has awesome. a coffee filter as a header image because um, that's just, I don't know, that's just make me, makes me giggle. Um, yeah. And yeah, so writing these long blog posts and, and rendering images in Blender is just how I, uh, like what I do when I don't want to code anymore. And it's actually a, li a nice, um, a nice like context switch away from, from coding to something that is creative in a different way. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah, pretty for cool. Sure. And I, I, I love your uh, Blender work <laughs> these days, Daniel, as well. The, the images you're producing are, are rather cool. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Not everything, like every now and then I do buy or download uh, an existing model. Like for example, the, the duck on um, telemetryduck.com. That is actually, yeah. um, I paid like, I don't know, five bucks for it because I was kind of in a hurry. I wanted to put in, put in the thing. And so I was like, I'm not going to try and model this. So I'm just going to buy it. But I did no. texture it myself because <laughs> it has a very, like, because I couldn't, I, I, I did spend the 10 minutes and 30 minutes render time to make it like very slightly like shimmery and see, and, and see through. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I love making those, um, especially like now I've convinced Lisa, my co-founder, that our main target audience really is developers. So every now and then yes. we will not shy, shy away from being really nerdy because this is like developers can really do that. And like, as this at the same time, like, um, we, like ever since we decided that yes, like, we are talking to developers and that is purposeful. Um, we can also do things like decide that yes, yes, our pricing is always on the, on the website and stuff like that, you know, like, because we're not talking about two people who want a sales presentation. We're talking to people who really just want to click on the thing and get the information that they want. Yes. And that's also the, uh, one of the reasons why, why I was like, yeah, we're just, I'm just going to go into ridiculous detail into, in that blog post. And people can just write, uh, read on as, as, as long as they like, and then just leave as soon as they're like, okay, this is enough level of detail for me. <laughs> no, that's cool. And I think as a developer, I, I look for that sort of thing that illuminates what I'm working with and playing with. Uh, yeah, you're right. Perhaps less aimed at, uh, at, um, you know, salesy people as it were, but definitely for your end users, it's, it's the sort of detail that I think people want. Yeah, totally. And I mean, uh, we do have to talk to, um, I want to say like product owner people, stuff like that as well. But at the same time, yes. I've seen it before. And I think it's, um, it's a good thing that like people try telemetry, like try it out, um, for their small private indie projects, but then, they're like, okay, this is actually pretty cool. And then next time they're working, they're going to their day job. They're like, ah, you know, I, I know exactly the tool that we should use. And so they convince yes. their managers. And yes, please, people continue to do that. Oh, that's fantastic. And yeah, I think I've been one of those people in the past yes. as well. Yes. So yes. Um, and you're right. It's, it's a different, yeah, what the, the relationship you establish with an indie uh may well extend out into other things because yes as an indie i'm you know installing this playing with this and putting in telemetry deck because i believe it's a good idea but then yeah in my day job when these moments come up where it's like yeah we need analytics but oh yeah we don't really want to use this service because it's creepy 
I'm like, aha, mm-hmm. I know a service that isn't creepy. Let's, yeah. uh, <laughs> let's use it. Um, yeah, no, that's fantastic. Awesome. Daniel, yes. I have to run off. I'm afraid I've um, run out of time to make superheroes in my day. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Our listeners can stay superheroes until our next episode. Yes. Yes, exactly. And, uh, well, I think come the next episode, Daniel, I want to know what type of superhero are you? Okay. So I am very much looking forward to that. between now and then. Yes. Yeah. Um, and maybe I need to start drafting the book that'll help you <laughs> unlock all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. All right. Um, Dave, it has been amazing and awesome as always. Uh, you really helped me unlock uh, my inner superhero. And so I want to, I want to continue unlocking that. Uh, if people want to know yep. more about your superpowers or your developments or just you as a person, where can people find you online? You can find me on Mastodon at David Gary Wood at social.davidgarrywood.com. Uh, and you can find out more about me and my, uh, superhero podcasting self-help guru life at davidgarrywood.com. Awesome. Uh, where you will actually find a bunch of blog posts about things like Swift UI. Very good. But, uh, yes. Daniel, what about you? All right. Um, you can find me at, uh, Daniel at social.telemetrydeck.com or, or you can just go directly to what the heck is telemetrydeck.com. All just one word. Or you can go to telemetryduck.com or telemetrydoc.com. Uh, that's just like small, a small selection of the domains they have. Uh, I can like next, next episode, I can add a few more. <laughs> All right. Um, Dave, this has been awesome. Uh, thank you for taking me with you on your superhero journey. And that's fine. listeners, that's fine. we all need to unlock these things. Listeners, keep up, keep up finding your inner superhero. You're amazing. Don't let anyone trample over you. And find your superpower and use it for good, not for evil. And with that, let's go for the gold. I'm going to say our slogan again. You're a superhero. Let's make it last. Become the hero. Make your way. All right. Bye. The Superhero Maker Show. Let's go. Power your Let's mind. Go. Let it grow. Learn from the best. Take action today. Become the hero. Make your way.